pretty jazzed for this episode because we're going to talk about something I have 10 years of experience with, <laughs> dating apps. We are going to be different than every other podcast talking about dating apps because we're not going to be giving advice. This is not a dating podcast. We are going to be getting into the technology and maybe a little bit into advice if I feel like it. <laughs> Dating advice on how to date us. Yeah. yeah. Have broad shoulders. Plan the date. Don't ask oh, yeah, me yeah, what yeah. I want to do. Date. Yeah, Michelle's trad. You need to treat her like a chivalrous man. What is trad? Just traditional? Yeah. I guess a little bit. So yeah, today we're going to talk about what the industry is like right now, what the terrifying future will be like, mm. and we'll get into the evil monopoly that's at the center of a lot of these dating sites. And last but not least, we're going to be talking about The Right Stuff, which is a new alternative dating site funded by None huge other. supporter and financial backer of this podcast, Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel. Thanks, Pete. Gay Republican whose gay lover um, fell out of a window recently. R.I.P. to him. We will get into the defenestration <laughs> of Peter Thiel's lover. We're going to solve the mystery. Tease. Yeah. Was it a suicide? I don't there know. There are competing theories about that. Let's oh, just say. man. And I did see some scholarly articles saying that women who are educated are more likely to marry if they meet somebody online. Oh, Isn't okay. that terrifying? Well, you're educated. <laughs> but I didn't. Oh, right. You didn't. Yeah, I moved online. in with somebody I met at an open mic. So I I really didn't. Which in many ways. <laughs> I found even love sadder. in a hopeless place. Yeah. The dating app market made $4.94 billion in revenue in 2022, basically uh, profiting off of everyone's loneliness and their need to fill the void. And there's so many apps now, like there's one just for group sex. I, I think Field is becoming the new Tinder and people are like actually getting into oh, long-term relationships from, from it, Field. From oh, Field. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So Field is just for poly? For poly, for kinks. BDSM okay. stuff. So in 2022, there were over 366 million online dating service users, and there are more than 8,000 different online dating sites now. While we're going to be very critical of dating apps, I don't want to knock them 100%. Like, there's a lot of things that you can get from dating apps. It opens your pool up to people beyond your immediate network. Um, yeah. You're no longer constrained to people at work, school, neighborhood. The dating pool is now everyone online as opposed to the cute people at your coffee shop. But then also like on the other side, it's like your networks are your networks for a reason to an extent. If you're yeah. if you're working because like in a field- Because your last two boyfriends were from work. So <laughs> <laughs> you're like, uh, there's a reason why people have <laughs> sex with the people they work with. I had a lot in common with both of them. Did you hear that you're not supposed to shit where you- Eat? I didn't do any work there. So <laughs> I was only yeah. eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all my long-term boyfriends have either, been, have either been from school or work, but I think that also is normal. And also your generation is less likely to use Tinder. <gasps> yeah, because Tinder became like really oversaturated. It's for old, it's for old people. I feel like it got filled with creeps. Although I have met some great people on Tinder. Yeah. Like I said, we're not going to be totally critical. Um, I have a lot of friends who met their husbands on dating apps or Yeah, or most of my close friends who are in serious relationships met on Tinder or Hinge. Yeah. Like the swiping is homework. Like I keep on telling my friend who's not having a good time finding a dude. Like you, you have put to put those hours You got to make a spreadsheet. You got you got to make a spreadsheet. Oh, my God. You got to have several dates a week. It's a yeah. total numbers game, and it's annoying. It is like another job. But, you know, the apps have a lot of upsides. Grinder has been instrumental in helping us discover gay priests and gay Republicans right. who vote against gay legislation. Yeah, so that's amazing. Um, we like did a get an, an app name scissor for lesbians, which... At one point was a early joke I had. Mm -hmm. I joked about it and it came to oh, life. Damn. Someone in uh, your audience like went home that night and trademarked. Yeah, I should be suing this person. I mean, there's just a million apps that yeah, coffee meets bagel. But like coffee hinge meets bagel is, is for hinge Jews. Is the hot one. No, I think I know there's J date, which is for Jews. Yeah, there's J date, J swipe. I met a black guy named J Swipe on J Swipe. 
No, you okay. didn't. No. Uh, yeah, there's dating apps for bacon lovers, metalheads. You could be matched by your food allergies or STDs. Hold on, run it back. There's a dating <laughs> app for bacon lovers? Yeah, Oscar Mayer. It's oh. called Sizzler without the E. No, fuck. Okay, no way people are using that. Yeah, people are on it. You're running, not walking okay. to Sizzler.com right This now. woman ha- has to fact check every little thing I say. No, I'm not fact checking. I'm interested. Oh, Sizzle. Oh, I'm sorry, Sizzle. I'm trying to understand what's happening here. Yeah, because you as a vegetarian don't understand that people could share a love of bacon and that could be the foundation (laughs) of a beautiful relationship. I understand that people can love bacon. What I don't understand is that it can be the only thing that unites you. It's just like... Um, boiling down the icebreaker to how do you like your bacon. Uh, okay, fair enough. Listen to this. After downloading the app, users are thrown into a bacon questionnaire where they are asked to specify such deeply personal preferences as whether they prefer pork or turkey bacon or whether they enjoy their bacon crispy or chewy. Sizzle allows users to specify the intensity of their attraction by holding down the sizzle button. For a certain amount of time, the longer you hold down the button, the more intense your attraction is to that potential lover. I kind of am into it. Yeah, we have to mention that there's kind of this idea that like dating apps made hookup culture, but hookup culture existed before um before the apps chivalry was already dead in the early 2010s there was like kind of a panic of like young people aren't going on dates anymore and there was an article in the new york times that was called the end of courtship Mm. it was like just a woman kind of venting about you up texts like oh no guys aren't taking me out and everything seems so casual but it's like just chill out people are just trying to hang out with you yeah, and those and guys just aren't a match for you. Like, if if, if you want to be treated, yeah, if you want to go out and be treated, then those aren't the kind of guys for you. Exactly. The internet opens up the dating pool so far that you end up meeting so many people that aren't a match for you. So it can get exhausting, and you can have this negative outlook about it, where you're like, "Oh, look at all these guys just trying to hook up." But it's like dating apps aren't like creating fuck boys or whatever, but. They do reward that behavior, and we'll get into more of that later when we talk about the mental health side and the gamification of dating. But yeah, the idea that like dating apps create these problems that we're talking about is obviously silly, but it's it's technology, right? So it exacerbates existing problems, ghosting. It's way easier to do that on a dating app. Yeah, because you're meeting somebody out of your network of people that you know. You don't have to deal with the fact that you ghost them the next day, but then also because you can immediately look at 10 other people and forget about the other person yeah. you were just talking to. Yeah, totally. And it also like puts more emphasis on like physical appearance, obviously, because you're looking at photos of someone. And mm-hmm. like you can say like, oh, I'm reading their profile, but like, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. If you think they're cute, if you think they're hot, that's really what yeah. is affecting your decision to swipe. Yeah, it does make people more superficial on the apps because you realize when you have all these options, you're like, oh my God, professional athletes are in here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why would <laughs> I? A, why would I date a normal dude? Yeah, so it does kind of exacerbate our most superficial desires. I got to say, when I was on OkCupid, my profile was a masterpiece. Um, it was like an ethnographic survey that uh, about me, like a like an ethnographer, like discovered me and oh my god, wrote about. I it, have to see this. I I can read it to you. It's amazing. Please do. You think we should go here? <laughs> I I mean, if this is this is the episode to do it, if we're gonna be doing that. Okay, so OkCupid was great because you could have a whole essay as your profile. (laughs) Um, So in the early 21st century, members of the Royal Americatic Society conducted an expedition to Brooklyn to study its inhabitants and their native environment. Unfortunately, most of the notes taken during the expedition, along with the materials gathered, were destroyed in the infamous bombing of the British Museum. All that survives is an incomplete and damaged manuscript written by the expedition's leader, Sir Arthur St. John Poppycock, regarding one particular, though by no means atypical, local female. The subject is a female hominid, a nice Jewish girl of Yemeni extraction, raised in the fertile soil of what they call the Garden State, which has, of course, 
imparted to her its unique and inimitable terroir. In terms of character, the subject is, as one of my American colleagues so graciously put it, half manic pixie dream girl and half rom-com villainess. The subject is equally at home engaging in the most serious discussions of which these primitives are capable, as she is participating in the most frivolous tomfoolery. While the subject professes a disdain for bourgeois conventions, this appears to be an affectation more than anything else, and she is now fully committed to the pursuit of bourgeois respectability despite her checkered past. Though some of the villagers would characterize her as a bitch, even though they concede that she is lighthearted and playful, endowed by the gods and the spirits of her ancestors with unrivaled wit and sass, lucky is the man who can tap manuscript damaged. <laughs> uh, we don't have to go through I feel through like it. I'm getting to know you for the first time. <laughs> Also, like creating kind of a high barrier to entry for people. <laughs> and I just wrote, I just read the first part. That was just the oh, intro. There's more. There's more. Can we post that somewhere for people to read the whole thing if they want to? Okay. Maybe that'll be our first blog post. I guess people who are on OKCupid are there to date seriously because mm-hmm. you wouldn't put all that work in if you're just trying to hook up. You just go to Tinder. Exactly. Right? Or Raya. But that, yeah, that was pre Tinder. Pre-Tinder uh, days, yes. I feel like I I had more rewarding relationships. I would say Tinder definitely like rotted my brain and I just ended up dating men that were attractive. So let's get into the technology of dating apps. On some dating sites, you self-report your preferences, like on the earlier versions of dating sites like Match.com and eHarmony, and they ask you hundreds of questions, and then based on your answers, they match you with people they think you'll be compatible with. And hundreds of questions. When I read that, I was like, holy shit, there's no way it's hundreds. I did answer hundreds of questions. You did eHarmony? I did oh, no, okay, okay Cupid. Actually, hundreds or like tens? Hundreds because it would like, the more you engage with the site, the more, the higher it shows your profile. So I would just spend a lot of time on it because I assume that like the work would lead to something. What were the questions like? Because I can imagine the first few ones, but once you get into like 301, what are they really asking? Towards the end, it was like political affinity, yeah, what you want your children to be like, like really getting into nitty gritty. Okay, Cupid probably knows me better than I know myself. It's also interesting to think about who owns all that data now. Yeah, like somebody requested their um and like fought Tinder to get all the information they had on them, and it was like eight hundred pages of wow. their preferences and stuff. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, so those earlier ones, Okay, Cupid, Match, eHarmony, they ask you hundreds of questions, but then new dating sites, instead of asking you a bunch of questions, they say that they learn what your preferences are through your behavior. So they figure out what you like by looking at what profiles you engage with as opposed to asking you what you like. I can imagine your algorithm is like, she likes dogs. Eventually, <laughs> it stops showing you men. <laughs> it worked on me, like that thing where like you do post a photo of you and your dog. Like Something physically would happen to me where like I would become excited and want to talk to them and then I'm like no wait I don't want to talk to them I don't think they're cute I just think the dog's cute and now I want to ask what its name is get a dog get a dog you want a woman get a dog so the process of an app finding out what you like by looking at what profiles you engage with is called a collaborative filtering algorithm so making recommendations based on your behavior as opposed to asking you who you'd like to be dating and it's just like way easier also because you just open the app and immediately the first person's on there and you just start swiping you don't have to really do anything in fact that methodology of just swiping on things became so popular through tinder and then the later iterations of those type of dating apps that the german parliament try to like recreate the tinder process for their political elections um with an app called yeah (laughs) with an app called vote swiper vote swiper makes it easy for you to find the best decision in political elections answer questions on current topics with a swipe and we'll tell you which parties best match your positions those political candidates better get a dog so tinder was very much the one that changed the scene from you know asking a bunch of questions to just uh swiping uh tinder came onto the scene in september of 2012 and like 
Think about what the internet was then. Like, like think about Cody 2012. This, this is when Tinder came <laughs> on the scene. yeah. Like, Facebook, I would get home from school and, like, be excited to log on to Facebook on the desktop. Like, first of all, like, internet companies were niche. And then apps were even more niche. Like, now there's an app for anything. But the idea of, like, making recommendations based on your behavior through an app was new when Tinder came on the scene. And the way Tinder would work was, like, okay, let's say I like Hussein. Tinder would look and see, like, oh, 9 out of 10 other people who liked Hussein also liked Mike. So then Tinder would show me Mike. I don't even know. What was Coney 2012? Wait, I mean, where I were just, you? I was here, but it was just about, like, this warlord. Oh, yeah. Like, at the time, I didn't know either. I was, like, in sixth grade. Basically, this video that went viral that was intended to mobilize the international community to fight these, like, horrible people in Uganda, the people that the State Department and AFRICOM and the CIA were fighting at the time. And the NGO that made the video that went super viral was funded by the CIA, the State Department, NGO, in air quotes, obviously. I just remember, like, all my, like, fellow sixth graders were changing their profile picture, and I was like, what is going on? I was just in math class with you the other day, and you were not talking about a warlord in Uganda, Jessica. I know this is not something you care about. It was like the first profile picture change movement. But anyway, so like that's when Tinder comes on the scene, September 2012. And much has been said about how these apps are gamified, but Tinder by its creators was made to feel like a slot machine. That's what they wanted. And they wanted you to have, you know, cool animations when you got a match and sounds. I remember you'd come into my edit bay when we were both working at RT. And then you would come in, she'd be like, what do we think? <laughs> the phone over my face, I'd be like, no, no, yes, no. We would just like swipe on your app together. And that was Yeah, it's really hard fun. to know. I didn't even know what I wanted. I'm just like, Michelle, you decide. It's too much. Yeah, also being on the apps in DC, it's like 50% of them work for Booz Allen Hamilton. Like everyone's yeah. wearing a lanyard in their first I did thing. get, yeah, I did have like political arguments with people I went on dates with. Oh my God, me too. I went on this date and he worked in government, but like he wasn't like working specifically for the Pentagon or, or you know, Lockheed Martin or something, but he was obviously part of that machine, like just because he was working for Congress hashtag military industrial complex am i right and i guess he wanted to like sympathize with me like he asked me what my ethnicity was and i was like okay i'm half korean and he was like oh my god the korean war was crazy like I, like you know, the <laughs> what korean do i know war. about korea he goes the korean <laughs> war <laughs> he goes oh. straight up no one even <laughs> no one even brought up the korean war he was just like oh so crazy like we killed so many people and i'm like yeah i'm like kind of like oh interesting like at least you know that it happened. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's just crazy how racist our government is. And I was like, mm. I mean, true, as evidenced by many other examples of U.S. domestic and international policy, but that's not what the Korean War was about. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was just like, well, you know, like it wasn't that we just like hated Korean people. Like the U.S. wanted to stop the development of a socialist society. So then, of course, the date devolves into a debate about socialism. Yeah, um, people are just like used to you talking about how many siblings you have. You didn't expect this. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, in fairness to him, he was like at most 25 because I was like 22 or 23 at the time. But still. I was on this day once with this startup guy, actually. Oh, yeah. And he knew as, as soon as I walked in, I had like disappointment written all over my face. I don't hide my emotions very well. You really don't. So was he ugly? He was ugly and just like kind of goofy looking and nerdy i made some small talk with him and he knew i was gonna leave because he offered me a drink and i'm like no it's okay i just like made some polite conversation and i was about to leave he's like wait let's play a game if um and if you win i give you a hundred dollars if you lose you have to kiss me and i'm like oh um, you have my attention now. And it was like, yeah, it was like he had to guess a word that I would write down. I had to like write any species of animal down. Okay. I like wrote something really short, like And eel, then just acted, yeah. And acted like it took really long. Yeah, Komodo dragon. <laughs> yeah. Australopithecus. <laughs> um, so I won $100 on that day. How much time passed between taking the $100 and you walking out the door? I took the $100 and I walked the fuck out. leave the date as soon as you can if you know don't waste your time yeah as soon as it's not good just leave but then i don't know it's tough because it's like you're not supposed to know if you like someone that fast but i guess yeah if he's really gross but it's interesting that the um first ceos of tinder one of which was whitney wolf who would go on to found bumble she was instrumental in getting tinder um started 
through fraternities and sororities. One, you could like have these groups kind of get on wholesale. But the other thing is like people are definitely trying to hook up with people on their college campus. And so Tinder really starts as like a middleman for a population that didn't really need it. Like you're going out to parties and definitely if you're in a fraternity a fraternity and a sorority, you're like being introduced to to other people. It's just way less risk. Like you don't have to come up to someone and then risk getting rejected in person. You can just swipe on them. And I think that's actually a really big part of it. Is it removes the embarrassment of being rejected a little bit. If you both swipe right on each other, great, it's a match. And if not, you never have to talk about it. But there's the potential for a lot of embarrassment yeah. if you walk up to someone. It's very gamified and like to be quote unquote successful on these apps as they're designed, you do have to treat it like a numbers game. So, you know, psychopaths aren't being created by dating apps, but kind of psychopathic behavior is rewarded because like what do psychopaths do? They act predatory and they treat people like they're not people and then they disappear. You have people like these cultural icons like Jordan Peterson for like if you don't know Jordan Peterson he's this like Canadian psychologist who's become kind of like an alt-right figure and a bit of that is earned and a bit of it is a little exaggerated He's, he does a, like a lot of right-wing talking points in, in therapy language but he will look at tinder and be like this is you know the problem with society this is cre like ruining the lives of young men he'll like look at something like tinder and like recognize all these true issues with technology like this but he won't zoom out and like look at the larger tech industry or like he won't look at capitalism it's like this is it's tinder is not like you know mm -hmm. some evil thing coming down from above this is just like you know a company being incentivized to keep you on their app and they're not financially incentivized to make us a healthier population it encourages psychopathic behavior <laughs> It encourages psychopathic behavior. Yeah, my problem with Jordan Peterson is not that he's wrong, it's that he's right, but his analysis is so limited and it limits the young impressionable minds that consume his content. Jordan Peterson aside though, the apps do foster an addiction, right? Obviously, like most social media technology, user addiction is baked into the business model. They want to keep you on the app. Um, and this is why it's like thrilling to get a match, just like it's thrilling to get a like on Instagram. They try to make it really exciting for you. There's a fun graphic. There's a nice sound. There's a little pop up when you get a like on Instagram. Mm -hmm. There's like fireworks when you get a match on Tinder, I think, or like confetti or something like that. Yeah. This is from a blog that I read in preparation for this. Quote, when we are attracted to a dating app match, we end up getting a John Wick style double tap of dopamine. In other words, we become aroused and filled with desire when we see the alert signaling that we made a connection. And then if the love interest is hot, we get another hit. When the short-lived dopamine excitement inevitably wears off, the user gets a craving for more, in parentheses, trigger. They resume fanatical swiping, in parentheses, behavior. Once the user receives a like or a match, reward, the behavior is essentially reinforced. This is why users often become obsessed with getting as many likes and matches as possible. This is known as the dopamine feedback loop. But basically, yeah, dating apps like all these other social media platforms are hijacking the reward systems in our brain. The dating apps are trying to keep us engaged and they're trying to keep us actively using the platform as much as, much as possible. And this is working. A study found that 39% of people check their dating apps like as soon as they wake up in the morning Oof. and 48% swipe just before bedtime, which is like, so sad. I mean, that was me. Yeah, I would spend hours every night. And it, it like, Grindr has an average of an hour. Some, wow. Sometimes Tinder has an average of, like, 90 minutes. Yeah. It's, it eats up so much of your time. I can't believe I didn't get anything out of it. <laughs> and then also, if we're talking about how gamified dating affects mental health we should talk about decision fatigue and like or analysis paralysis whatever you want to call it right feeling you like you have a lot of options it's like an emotional safety net like the more options you have the safer you feel for example when we apply to jobs like we try to get as many options as possible before you sign with a company or when you're hiring someone you try to interview a bunch of different candidates before committing right but you're not really gonna know if that's a good employee until you actually work with them, like you can get as much information as you can, but you're never going to truly know if that's a fit. Like you're not just not going to know if this is a fit until you actually start spending time with this person. Assuming you want a healthy, meaningful, mutually beneficial, respectful, and communicative relationship. If you're just trying to hook up, obviously you can do that just by swiping on someone. But as humans, like we don't really thrive as decision makers when there are a million options in front of us at once. It's not a healthy way. <laughs> 
to approach dating if, like I said, if the goal is to have a healthy and meaningful relationship. If the goal is just to hook up with as many people as possible and fill the void in the short term, then dating apps are a great way of doing that. Um, and we've all been there. I'm not like speaking from above anyone. Like I definitely have used it for that. And I think most people are using it for that. Most people are using it to hook up. Tinder, I guess I'm talking about specifically. Um, probably OkCupid people are looking to seriously date. But Tinder, it's like you're trying to hook up and then if you happen to find someone you have a great connection with, it's like icing on the cake. Or or yeah, or you're just a female who learned how to manipulate men well and you get them tricked into yeah. a relationship like uh oh they're meeting your family all of a sudden yeah. on the third date whoops <laughs> yeah or like i i see a lot of people on the app specifically like if they need a date to something oh um, yeah for sure yeah i'm gonna use this plus one to a wedding yeah or else <laughs> someone invited me to a wedding recently and i have not seen him literally in five years people like, are so desperate to have a date to a wedding don't they know weddings are the number one place you meet somebody in real life to have a real yeah real but also it's asking so much it's not like it's in the city and he's like hey just come by and be my day to this thing i would probably do that but he wanted me to go i forget where it is now you, but it was out of state the to Galapagos like go stay Island. with him like that's insane like let me dinner first um, Jeez, yeah i mean i'm sure food yeah. would have been served but yeah but he wanted somebody else to pay for it his yeah, friends exactly. mindy and josh yeah exactly pay for the meal that's a that's a great they were not way. jewish actually this was an afghan man so unlikely mindy or josh were present <laughs> at the wedding oh yeah so it had to be like a week-long <laughs> wedding too yeah, exactly i was like kind of asking a lot for me like also what happened to hello how are you michelle what are you doing for work these days like you don't know no, my life they just share a location and an invitation and the the see the freemium model of tech companies are just try to get market share, just try to get more and more users by offering a free product is kind of coming to an end because investors kind of want to see a profit now. And these tech companies are having a hard time being profitable. So what do they do? They mm. make you pay. And so Tinder's rolling out all of these premium features. Mm. And now they have they keep on adding different tiers. So they have gold. And they have Tinder Plus, they have gold, they have platinum, unlimited, and it can cost up to like $60 a month to just have all the features, you know, profile boosting, you can rewind. And yeah, when I was just like, I was like doing free dating for like eight years. And then the last two years of dating online, I was paying for that shit because I knew I was getting a shitty experience if I wasn't what paying for What app were you paying for? I paid for all. I paid for Hinge. I paid for Tinder. I paid for... Uh, Bumble, but thanks to class action lawsuit, I did get <laughs> some money back? back from Bumble. Oh, okay. Um, Wait, so okay, so, but and then all of those are like what three ninety nine? Like some are three ninety nine. I think Bumble ended up being and now it, like goes up to like thirty a month if you want all these features. Like it, it can become really expensive. Holy shit! And thirty yeah. a month for one app. It's like $30 a month for Bumble Premium just to talk to guys first. I guess the guys are mostly paying for that. What is premium even getting you? Let me, sorry. You get I more swipes. Too. Yeah, right. on Hinge, you run out of swipes. Right. Or on Tinder, you run out of swipes. These are discretionary expenses that people are going to easily cut off. And they're yeah. going to be like, well, I guess I'll message that chick on Instagram instead of finding somebody um, on these paid apps so less attractive people end up spending more money and more desperate people and then uh, at some points tinder was charging people just for being old which you know you should pay more but like over 28 you'd have to pay 20 dollars, and under 28 you'd pay 10 they got sued out of continuing to do that i think right yeah in 2015 a statewide class action was filed against tinder in state court in california alleging that tinder violated california law by offering and charging users age 30 and over a higher price than younger users for subscriptions to its premium tinder plus service but i think we do need to take a moment and uh, apologize to the men there's nine to one men to women on uh most dating apps yeah so in europe men outnumber women on tinder by almost nine to one american women are slightly more likely than those in europe to use the dating apps but they still only make up 20 percent of users overall i guess the nine to one ratio explains why all of the marketing uh, about these dating apps seems to be explicitly geared geared towards women. Oh yeah, there's you might notice that there's like a ton of ads in the subway right now because 
Tinder's re- this is the first time like the first quarter of this year is the first time they've ever seen a downturn in yeah. their growth. They're in panic mode and now the subway's like plastered with ads like for Tinder like one ad was like imagine having a toothbrush at their place and it's like two adults in furry costumes ho- <laughs> holding a giant toothbrush and it's like that's what like heterosexual women are like fantasizing about they're like i just want a man to commit and put his toothbrush there this one geared towards zoomers realizing you're not dead inside damn yeah so you'll see these ads on the subway like they're they're desperately trying to appeal to younger people because zoomers are less likely to get on tinder and sometimes less likely to use dating apps altogether maybe they prefer niche apps like uh, scissor or whatever but they want like more authentic connections i mean the real dating app is instagram i've had way better dates on yeah instagram but you might have remembered tinder as being a more democratic app but now since there's all these tiers it's become people are becoming much more segmented by how much money they're willing to spend and soon tinder will roll out tinder vault which is 500 500 a month and can go up so if you're paying for a year it could be up to six thousand dollars what do you get for this 500 a month you get like some people's rent that's insane yeah what do they get they get personalized matchmaking which i thought they were gonna get like a you know like professional matchmaker who was like some from some village in russia who's like i've been practicing this her hair better be covered and she better be in my living room i need some yenta yeah Yeah. but no it's just like a better algorithm they say but i think they're just gonna be like you know matching you to more attractive people probably and then there's a 24 get this there's a 24 7 concierge for dating advice so you have like a digital wingman oh, you're connected to a real person no i want way. this job but you also would get a, a badge that says that you paid this 500 dollars. oh so which everyone else sees that oh yeah, is it? it i feel like that's embarrassing it, yeah i would be like this dude is way reckless with well, his money well it does show that you have money so that's good but then it also shows that you have no game so that's bad but for yeah. 500 dollars a month you better be like getting an escort from a tinder escort match group also owns the league which could cost up to a thousand dollars a month so Mm. as we're seeing more niche markets open up for these apps we're seeing more people become segmented like by how much money they have and how much money they're willing to spend and then then yeah so the league it's like the app for capitalists and wannabe capitalists who are still working entrepreneur (laughs) yeah this is for high net worth individuals what i actually like about this one is that you can sync your linkedin profile with the league and that means people in your linkedin network can't see you on the app so Mm. i would i mean i would love that i wish that was an option interesting so there's no risk to like see your manager but for the regular people who don't have unlimited funds you can't just pay for the league how much is the league it could be up to a thousand dollars a week like all these uh, all these apps yeah all these apps have tiers it's kind of like choose your own adventure choose how many features you want but the most feature the max is a thousand dollars a week damn a thousand dollars a week well i guess if you don't have a thousand dollars a week to spare you kind of have to Uh, get creative with it if you don't have unlimited funds and you can't just pay your way into love you do need to get creative like the guy who used an ai program you could hack the system yeah there was this one guy who wrote an ai program that would respond to his online dating matches using james bond and american psycho quotes and that shit works i mean he got 500 uh women's numbers and I think he did this to go viral, not to actually find the love of his life. So, like, I respect it and I think it's funny. He had this viral video titled How I Dated 49,000 Women in New York City at the Same Time. He didn't really date them. He chatted with them. Well, what do you consider a date? <laughs> yeah, exactly. As we approach the virtual <laughs> world, the idea of a date could just be, like, it strikes me profoundly that the world is more often than not a bad and cruel place. Oh, he's introspective. So true, uh, King. Women are, you know, attracted to serial killers anyway, so. 
No, women are attracted to hot actors. Yeah. <laughs> they just happen to be playing serial, serial killers. Serial killers. Step one, I reverse engineered all the major dating apps and stored 49,000 profiles in a database. I then wrote a program to swipe right on all of them and got around 5,000 matches. And to speak to all 5,000 women, I built an artificial intelligence based on the personalities of Patrick Bateman from American Psycho and James Bond. So he sends a message, which is a quote from American Psycho. Would you like to accompany me to dinner if you're not doing anything? And she just goes, sure. And then he goes... Where do you want to go? Anything you want. Just say it. I can get you anywhere. And she just answers, doesn't matter. What's your favorite drink? <laughs> so like these these lines work. I mean, like this is not that far-fetched for a man to be asking someone on a dating app. Would you yeah. like to come and meet to dinner? But then again, you know, you meet up with them and then they're just like saying Seinfeld quotes and the office <laughs> quotes and you're like, oh, you're like, this, oh. I could be dating an AI chatbot. Why not? Yeah. I tried to make a meatloaf out of the girl but it became too frustrating a task, and instead I spend the afternoon smearing her meat all over the walls. Is that actually an American Psycho quote? Yeah. Oh my gosh. But it's like, okay, if if you do think of this as a numbers game, and if you're just trying to get as many numbers as possible and as many dates as possible, yeah, why not? Automate the process. But if the goal is to have a healthy and meaningful relationship, then maybe this is not the best tactic. There are apps dedicated to... Um, using chatbots to communicate with potential matches. Yeah, I feel like we do have to talk about the future of online dating in that it will include AI, whether or not we like it. Like there's this already this company called Teaser AI pairing its users with AI chatbots. Well, first of all, if you want to read the New York Post headline, this is a new dating app pairing users with with AI chatbots. Yeah. <laughs> It, it did a chatbot write this headline? <laughs> like, this is what I'm saying. Like, what is stopping these companies from just using Grammarly? But anyway, a new dating... So this is Teaser AI. A new dating app uses artificial intelligence to create chatbots that mimic users' interests and personalities. This is like the anti-ghosting app. Instead of striking up a conversation with a prospect directly... Users initially can engage with a chatbot that, quote, gives you a feel for your match before actually speaking to them, according to Teaser AI. The idea is to cut the chit-chat so that users can immediately decide if you want to meet up. When you start Teaser AI, our AI starts learning about you. Through your profile and chats, it gets smarter every time. The app's description claims that AI technology will combat ghosting, the practice of completely cutting off a partner without reason, explanation, or further contact, and promises to, quote, ward off catfishing and creeps by verifying every profile. And so if you don't say something to someone that you match with within 24 hours, that match will expire. So it incentivizes you to keep logging on. Bumble had that. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Like oh. they're not they're not bringing anything new to the table except that AI is in their name. Uh, yeah, that- like 17 <laughs> times it's also in this article. Yeah, and in all their press. I mean, what they say is like it's not AI replacing people. It's AI getting you faster to that icebreaker. Mm. Um, so like they think that they're going to – replaced chit chat in the beginning but the tech crunch journalists who tried to use teaser ai said some ai men tried to tell me about the novel they want to write which unfortunately <laughs> mimics the experience of dating real life men i would just hate to find out that like my ai already matched me to a guy and was like talking to him for hours about wrestling or something yeah and i'd be like no that's not me in wired they like wrote uh an article entitled in praise of AI generated pickup lines like we should embrace this technology and yeah. before you continue to feign disgust at the integration of AI into your romantic life uh, I'm not feigning I'm disgusted <laughs> continue let's make clear that the union happened long ago across social platforms in one way or another automation and AI generated content doesn't mean that an era of extreme laziness and in- an impersonation is upon us by normalizing this behavior, we can free people from writing a thousand introductory messages, giving them more energy to focus on the humans on the other side. But they've already rolled <laughs> well, it out with a subscription price. It's $39.99 a month. So damn. I'm pretty sure so few people will use it yeah, that it's gonna... <laughs> it will soon disappear. So maybe this will disappear. But I think um, the bigger players are either going to buy these like quote unquote AI dating companies or they're going to develop their own quote unquote AI programs. Like Airbnb, for example, is trying to rebrand as an AI company. So I'm sure Tinder and 
eHarmony and Grindr are going to like try to rebrand as like Tinder AI. Like we were matching you to the perfect partner. Actually, in 2021, Tinder acquired a company called HyperConnect, which focuses on video, AI and augmented reality technology. So we are going to see these bigger players create their own AI program. So you can kind of see online dating evolve. So first we had Match.com, OkCupid, eHarmony, and that was a lot of work. And now it's, you know, swiping way less work. Raya, Grindr, Tinder, Bumble. I don't know. I've I've had a lot of pain in my thumbs. <laughs> but soon it might mean virtually no work. Like it might just mean trusting AI so much that you just have the algorithm find a person for you without even having to swipe. Also, I think with the future of online dating, like honeypots are going to get a lot more sophisticated because if you have all of this data, you may find out that this particular domestic terrorist always swipes right on people that have feet pics and you can target mm. them more accurately. So we'll see honeypots get really sophisticated. And there's also VR dating apps, um, like one called Nevermet. Mm. Let's take a listen to this video that explains Nevermet. Virtual reality dating. VR completely changes the game to online dating when you can hug them, walk with them, and <laughs> more. I think this has a strong appeal for people who've had bad dating experiences IRL and gives confidence to those who were insecure about their looks and other factors. So that's when I got contacted by Nevermet. I was really excited. Tinder has obviously blown up majorly over the past years, and we're finally at a point where dating apps are socially acceptable to meet in. But Tinder's locations are bound by locality. If you're in a rural area, like almost half the world's population, then there's not many- Like almost half the world's population. <laughs> oh my god, she's so annoying. And if you're a straight guy on Tinder that's lacking natural chattiness, well, good luck. So Nevermet is basically VR Tinder. I wanted to explore what this app has to offer, but since I'm not single, I asked one of my charismatic VR friends to try the app out. Senior Queef. Senior Queef? I'm Senior Queef. My friends just call me Queef. I've been in VR since the earth. <laughs> yes. An anime cat with like silver hair wearing a tight, blazer a lot of cleavage and then also cat ears and then also gloves like yeah. why would oh. you choose a blazer <laughs> i wanted people to take me seriously queef lives here and is in the military making him the prime candidate for <laughs> <laughs> the military is lonely yeah maybe those see. right wingers had a point when they're saying that the military is going woke <laughs> The Republicans are talking about senior queef. I guess, yeah, This is these are the people who spend a lot of time in the metaverse. This is who they're targeting. You need to unwind and put your tits on and your cat ears. Yeah, because you probably can't fraternize with the people who are in the military with you. Yeah. So you got to go into VR maybe, to find love. Yeah, maybe this is part of the Defense Department's plan to decrease the rapes each year. They're like... <laughs> Your guys. Just go into VR, yeah. When you're trying to go out and date IRL, you're always initially just judging them immediately off how they look. Um, I know We're judging you too with your <laughs> avatar choices, Senor Queef. With a field that you move around a lot, like the military, and it could be for seven days, it could be for seven months. It's tough being away. It could be 21 years, <laughs> like the US military occupation of Afghanistan. It's tough not being able to look them in the eyes and talk about your day when all you can really do is have a phone call even i just noticed he doesn't have a nose hmm that's a choice VR veterans like queef vr dating this is gonna be a whole brand new experience for me i'm super excited to see what it can bring now we're ready to set up his profile and find a date oh he's creating a username Oh, thank God, Senior Queef isn't taken. So, well, there is a waitlist for new users, but they're added every day to help filter through joke accounts or inappropriateness. You're gonna get kids on this shit. You may be flirting with an eight-year-old. Their avatar will have cleavage, but it will be an eight-year-old. Okay, but let's see what Senior Queef's uh, virtual date looks like. I think we're gonna follow him to get go on the date. Okay. So in a very tender fashion, he finished up setting his account and over the next few days found some matches, one of which was Cena. So um, we're watching him like match with people right now, and it does look, it look, it does look like a copy of the Tinder UI. Mm -hmm. 
Midwestern girl who works on laundry machine operating systems. They settled on mini golf and a movie, and both agreed to letting me pop in for a little bit in the middle of their date. Literally, you can do anything. Yeah, literally, you can do anything, and you guys chose to do mini golf. <laughs> like, you could fly. I'm into it. Yeah, you I guess. You could slay a dragon. Be... Yeah. <laughs> They're doing, like, the most norm <laughs> normy shit that you can do. In I would life. definitely be like, let's rob a bank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doing... Let's do a coup. We'll coo whoever we want. Any country you want, baby. Yeah, it does look like people like eventually meet up in person after a few months of mini golf. Um, I I could see it going either way though, because like if if you meet like this with this fake version of you, like you might want to keep the relationship in here. Like this might be people's escape from the real world to like have a VR boyfriend or girlfriend, or they them friend. Yeah, and I think you know this. This already exists. I, don't, I, I just don't think it's going to catch on to the mainstream. I don't, I don't think people want to meet this way. You want to find out as soon as possible if the guy stinks, <laughs> if you can have sex with him. Well, if your goal is to get in an IRL relationship, yeah, but some of Maybe. these people just want this online relationship. Research does say that like we do need actual physical touch and eye contact, like real human-to-human -human contact to feel good. But if you can hijack those needs by instead making people addicted to like the dopamine cycle that comes with these new technologies and segment of the population is just gonna go with that you know mm -hmm. i'm not saying they should but they will the first apple headset just came out it's like the first iphone it just came out this year it's only gonna get more popular i see it being popular i i just think match group getting involved in this vr dating is gonna be a failed venture for them i think they're just trying to throw money at the wall as their yeah. popularity is declining, the 18 to 24 people, they don't want to do dating apps. They probably want to meet people. If they are in VR, they're going to meet people on the games they already that already exist. They will increase in popularity, never met, yeah. whatever these virtual dating sites are. But they will never be mainstream because people want, when they're looking at dating apps, the the trajectory is like the ease of getting offline like how quick mm. can i get offline yeah. meet this person smell this person yeah. see if i want to penetrate this person but not everyone is is um emotionally healthy enough to recognize that that should be the goal to meet a real person and have a real relationship no i think that's just human desire totally but i think the desire for true human connection can be hijacked by these apps that give you like flashy notifications to make you get a hit of dopamine and what's i mean now it's like you get a hit of dopamine when you see when you see a photo of someone but what if soon you have a hologram version of them standing in your living room like what what's stopping me from just feeling content why do I need to go out and meet someone? But you Not me and personally, I or yeah. no, and anyone no. we know would prefer that. Yeah, agreed. But our children's children probably will prefer that. I feel like you're conflating Match Group with this company, Never Met. Match Group didn't buy this company. Oh, okay. I thought Match Group bought this company. Oh, no. No, Match Group bought a company called HyperConnect. And then through its acquisition of HyperConnect, it now has Azar which is a video chat surface powered by real-time language translations that allows users to meet and interact with people across the globe in their native language. So it kind of removes the language yeah. barrier. I don't need a mail-order Russian bride. I just need to. <laughs> yeah. And they have live streaming. And then the other app is called Hakuna, which Match Group also now owns. And that is an interactive social app that allows for one-to-many live streaming experiences. So it's basically like, I guess it's like a Twitch, you know, like people can gift the live streamer. So yeah, those were um, some of the two acquisitions that Match Group made recently. HyperConnect in June 2021 and The League in July 2022. And they're still on the lookout to expand. But I think we should talk about how Match Group is basically this monopoly. So we said earlier that the dating app market made $4.94 billion in revenue in 2022. Well, $3.1 billion of those dollars came from Match Group. Yeah, Match Group basically owns all of these dating apps you think hinge is different hinge is owned by match group hinge plenty of fish march Meetick. it does sound like we're making these up um okay, okay cupid jinx yeah so basically um besides bumble like raya and grinder are basically the only big dating apps that aren't owned by match group and um 
Muzzmatch, which was a Muslim dating site, was offered $35 million in 2019 yeah. for a match group to buy it. And ultimately, they wanted to try to stay independent and, you know, make their own money. Eventually, match group decided, hey, we're going to sue you for using match in your name because you're riding the coattails of our brands. And they brought them to court. And ultimately, they Muzzmatch lost and had to pay... Um, had to pay millions of dollars to this behemoth match group. And this is what one of the CEOs of Muzzmatch said. This is just their tactic. They'll court you. They'll get your data. They'll try and buy you. And when it doesn't work, they'll either go after a competitor or, or they'll just kill you. A million dollars for them in legal fees is small change. Yeah. For us, it's everything. Yeah, yeah. because they're a near monopoly, they're just able to buy up any new company that attempts to compete and like you see in the case of Muzz, because they can't use Muzz Match anymore, and now they go by Muzz. You know, they say if you can't beat him, join him. Well, Match Group's slogan is if you can't buy him, sue them. Here's a statement from Muzz's founder and CEO. They put this out after announcing with deep sadness and regret that they had lost the legal fight against Match Group. As you may know, we've been in a long court battle with Match Group, the multi-billion dollar conglomerate that own Tinder, Hinge, and about 50 other of the world's leading dating products. He's wearing his finest sweatshirt. Court. Unfortunately, I have to share with you that we've lost that court battle today. Match Group first reached out to us in 2016, objecting to the use of our name. They then proposed a settlement agreement with us, allowing us to use the brand as long as we didn't sell our company to a competitor. We refused. In 2017, they reached out to us again, offering to actually acquire. Here was us, a small Muslim dating gap, and there was a big multi-billion dollar conglomerate. And they made a series of four offers for the business, each of which I didn't feel valued us fairly, so we refused. Since our refusals, Match Group have resorted to the tactics used by large conglomerates with huge legal teams litigation they're like we have a two billion person niche yeah <laughs> we're not gonna sell to you motherfucker yes exactly <laughs> but still we don't have enough money to hire an editor for this video yeah <laughs> some it, really hard very cuts. upset by the pops and the audio not just the pops and the audio they didn't do any lrj edits and it was all just like him saying something and then just him going like this <laughs> yeah. like for a split second um, I'm glad it's hard to explain over audio. Uh, <laughs> you, you get it. There were his, his head is here, and then a second later, his head is an inch. They don't. They they have a multi camera setup, but they're not cutting between cameras when they make jump cuts. Yeah. In addition to match groups, like uh, very aggressive acquisitions, yeah. they also are trying to change the landscape of the internet to some extent, so that they can operate. Um, almost unheeded by any new competitors. And in 2020, they were the first tech company, this is very unusual, to back the Earn It Act. The Earn It Act was a bill that was introduced in Congress by Republicans to um, reduce child abuse sex materials online. Of course, there are already laws that prohibit child porn on the internet, but this Earn It Act would make companies liable for materials that were found in private messages. So it would change encryption rules. Like you would have to be able to get into every user's messages. Mm -hmm. And while, yes, the company does save the messages to some extent, you still have some privacy. And this is like the last bastion of privacy that you have on a dating app. Earn It would basically carve out a little piece of section 230 which allows platforms to not be liable for crazy shit that gets posted on their websites right so it's section 230 of the communications decency act which will protect match and then any other internet company from being held liable as a publisher for what a user posts so they're basically saying we're like a library should the library be held accountable for something that's like a written in a book, book. right yeah. now why would they want this to happen why would they want to be liable well they can afford the legal fees right so now that they're big enough to take it basically they're like come at us let hold us liable because they would rather be liable and have to pay all that money rather than have all these other smaller competitors also be protected they want this law to protect them as they grew and now that they made it they want that law gone so that no one else can grow exactly and compete yeah. with them they're 
burning kind of a ladder. You saw Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996. We all saw it. I was going to say, you saw Section 230 come up a lot a few years ago when Facebook was in the news. Lawmakers were like, Facebook has the ability to decide what to keep on its platform. Like, should Facebook... Mm -hmm be held liable for fake news and all disinformation and all that kind of stuff. Or but you yeah. might remember when OnlyFans was like, we can't process payments anymore yeah. for for sex workers. This is a Section 230 thing. So a lot of the child porn laws that are being brought up are also making it more difficult for sex workers to operate online. While they're like, save the children, save the children, they also just like are mad that their husband is supporting an OnlyFans model that they knew and high school yeah <laughs> yeah just... the husbands are like i'm actually really passionate about the issue of platforms being not liable for what their users post <laughs> he's like i'm tricking off to section 230 <laughs> so there's a strange way that peter teal kind of intersect peter teal's gawker story intersects with the tinder story and it's going to require a little bit of explaining, but I think you can follow with me. Okay. So in 2014, Whitney Wolf received a settlement for an undisclosed amount for being uh, sexually harassed by her former boyfriend, chief of marketing, uh, James Mateen. She had a text message from him that says, you prefer to social climb middle-aged Muslim pigs. Which, you know, never put that shit in writing. She alleged that they called her a whore and they tried to say that she wasn't a co-founder and she didn't come up with all these ideas. She said she did. So 2015, a freelance reporter named Ashley Terrell, friends of a lot of the CEOs at, at Tinder, was trying to prove that Winnie Wolf was neither a victim nor a co-founder but a fraud who parlayed a sex lawsuit into a career and fame. So she claims that when she was trying to investigate the story, she was being surveilled. We do know that Winnie Wolf's lawyers contacted her, like aggressively saying, you might face legal repercussions for publishing an article using certain information about Wolf. Mm. So Ashley, being so paranoid, asks around the community and asks for help, like, how do I know I'm being hacked? How can I prove it? Mm -hmm. And eventually all of her information and her proof of being hacked lands into the lap of somebody at Gawker and they publish a story about her paranoia basically trying to connect the dots and saying like Tinder the Tinder execs are obviously behind this hit piece against Winnie Wolf. Gawker was an online website it was a news site and in 2016 it had to shut down from this defamation lawsuit that Hulk Hogan brought against Gawker. Hulk Hogan um, had a sex tape that was made public by Gawker. This lawsuit was bankrolled by Peter Thiel. But at the time of Hulk Hogan's lawsuit against Gawker, Ashley Terrell is suing Gawker mm. for making the article on her paranoia. Peter Thiel is helping bankroll Ashley Terrell's lawsuit. And then... There was one other case that was like against Gawker for a uh, uh, Gawker published articles that said that this Indian man kept on claiming that he invented email when he didn't. Wait, Shivayadure? Yeah. Wait, what's the Shivayadure connection? So Gawker said that he didn't invent email, even though he claims to. He created a program named email. I interviewed him a few times. Oh, really? Yeah. He was suing Gawker for defamation. He literally had in his email signature, inventor of email. <laughs> no one can take I that away from me. <laughs> okay. Peter Thiel was funding Shiva Ayadere's lawsuit. Okay. So there were so three lawsuits. Peter Thiel. It was Shiva Ayadere. They all teamed up. And with millions of dollars, they drove Gawker out of business, essentially. Yeah. The whole Kogan lawsuit really shut down Gawker. But... um. But the other lawsuits got paid out after uh, after the implosion of Gawker. Interesting. Why does this libertarian billionaire mm. want to destroy a website? Well, Gawker in 2007 ran a headline, quote, Peter Thiel's totally gay people. So Peter Thiel ultimately dropped $10 million to help finance these lawsuits against Gawker, including the Hulk Hogan lawsuit and include, 
including the Tinder slanderer journalist. And I think we see with these cases that Silicon Valley giants are very hostile to journalism and they'll do anything. They'll spend as much money as it takes to put these critics out of business. So well, also, apparently he was like funneling all these millions of dollars into cases against Gawker. But because it was like s- secret, Hulk Hogan didn't even know that Teal was his backer. Yeah, it all came out kind of after, and he was proud. Peter Thiel said of his lawsuits against Gonker and the $10 million he poured in and eventually shutting it down, he said it was, quote, one of my greater philanthropic things that I've done. (laughs) He, like, wrote that shit off as a tax (laughs) write-off. I mean, I guess as far as philanthropy by tech billionaires go, it's some of the least harmful like uh bill gates and jeff bezos their philanthropy actually hurts millions of people so some people do mosquito bed nets but this guy was like no we need to shut down every site calling me gay and he's (laughs) for society it's for For society society. (laughs) yeah but now peter Thiel is behind a new dating app called the right stuff an alternative dating app geared towards conservatives uh living in liberal leaning cities so conservatives who are having a hard time Finding love with all the bleeding hearts around. The taglines are a dating app for the right wing and profiles without pronouns. And it is funded by Peter Thiel and founded by former aides in the Trump administration. John McCanty. Yeah. So the guy and Daniel Huff and Isaac Stalzer. Yeah, but John McCanty is is the one behind it and he also has like a very obnoxious TikTok that's like on a date with a liberal and they're like (laughs) i can't believe you're vegan and it's just like all the most boring like right-wing humor Mm. that oh this guy this guy is john mccanty yeah the guy was viral sensation i had no idea oh so this is all uh marketing for the app yeah do you want to pick one oh i've seen these you've seen i've seen all of them like also clearly gay but that you can't be gay on the right stuff the the yeah that's what's really funny because there's firstly virtually no women joined so it was just a bunch of men but despite that same-sex dating is not an option the old ways of dating are dead dating's gone digital And here are your options. Hinge, where you're prompted to add your pronouns, and you can be accused of misgendering while trying to flirt. Bumble, where you're forced to pledge allegiance to causes you don't believe in, or you have to sort through 33 gender options. 33 gender options. 33 gender options. Which one am I? I don't know. (laughs) I think the idea, you know, an app for conservatives is somewhere they could go and they won't be judged for attending January 6th. Yeah, literally. And they won't be snitched on. You know, Hinge had prompts like, my idea of a perfect date is, or my favorite Mm -hmm. book is, whatever. Um, uh, One of the prompts for the right stuff was January 6th was blank. So I guess if you said a revolution, the FBI would come knocking on your door the next day. But yeah, the right stuff, it's kind of failing. I mean, number one, it was invite only. And so that didn't really work in their favor because they didn't get like a ton of growth in the beginning. And then, like I mentioned, virtually no women joined, but still there were no same sex options. So it was just a bunch of men that couldn't date anyone. Too many dicks on this conservative app. Very low rating on Apple's App Store. But that guy is still killing it on TikTok. And so maybe that'll just be the new stream for the business. Being more of a media operation than a dating app. But yeah, it is funny that there is no same-sex option on the right stuff because Peter Thiel is gay. And then his lover went missing? Yeah, Jeff Thomas. Um, He was a model and social media influencer who was in a long-term relationship with Peter Thiel. Thomas and Thiel met in Coachella, either in 2015 or 2016. Then in 2017, Thiel marries Matt Danzizen? Danzizen? Thomas and Thiel get into like a secret relationship. Thomas, according to The Intercept, described himself as being in a, quote, kept situation that made him uncomfortable. So yeah, he's the secret lover. He's the side bitch. Quote, it was stressful. He wanted to get me the nicest car, the nicest house. He wanted to kind of show his power, to kind of show me that he had me in his dollhouse. So yeah, I mean, I guess you get a $300,000 car and a $13 million home in Hollywood Hills. And in exchange, you are the side bitch that gives Peter Thiel whatever he wants. Kind of insinuating also that Peter Thiel would take advantage of him sexually. So on March 8th, he 
died. The death is being investigated as a possible suicide. Miami police have been in touch with Teal as part of the investigation into Thomas's death. The model was found at the bottom of a Miami apartment complex. Obviously, the conspiracy online is that he was killed. Um, mm. because he was talking to the Intercept reporter and the Intercept reporter was doing like a big deep dive onto Teal. Interesting. Or, or maybe he was talking to other reporters too, but then like maybe just the fact that he wasn't totally in line and he was talking to the press about Teal at yeah. all. You can't let them know I'm gay again. <laughs> you can't let them know that I'm fucking two guys. But Thomas apparently violated the terms of his non-disclosure agreement with Teal after he spoke to the media and that is when the relationship began to fray right and then also reportedly thomas was also speaking with progressive activists who were working to expose what they saw as teal's hypocrisy it also his death occurred at the same time as the silicon valley bank collapse which uh teal like was leading the bank run oh yeah which may be illegal so mm. maybe he had some intel that could have exposed teal legally so what my boyfriend died the same week i decided to help start a run on the banks what's the big deal jeff thomas i'm looking at his instagram now yeah damn sad so the last time he posted was on march 8th and now all the comments are r.i.p.ing uh i do feel like this photo wasn't posted by him though because all the rest of his photos are high quality and then the most recent one that was posted on the day that he apparently committed suicide is low quality it also has hashtag mental health in the caption which is a little on the nose it's like if you wanted to a stage and this is all you know this is a comedy podcast so i'm not alleging anything but if one wanted to make something look like a suicide you would post about mental health on that person's instagram um let's see if he ever used the hashtag mental health before that Okay, so no, 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 no. Damn, he's hot. Oh, well, on February 23rd, he did use the hashtag male model. We have hashtag free the nipple on February 18th. Oh, I'm not seeing anything about depression or mental health anywhere else. It's mostly just him on vacation living his best life and being happy. Also, apparently there was a messy confrontation between Jeff Thomas and Teal's husband at a New Year's Eve party in the weeks leading up to his death. Huh. So a lot of subterfuge happened yeah. with Peter Thiel. Yeah, right really now. shady guy. And next week we're going to be doing a deep dive into Peter Thiel's main hustle because the right stuff, this dating app stuff, and even the Gawker debacle, thats those are his side hustles, right? Mm -hmm. His main hustle is Palantir. Yeah, he's been dumping millions of dollars into anti-birth control uh news outlets into women's fertility clinics so he has a very serious interest in in trad values that we're going to get into more on the next episode Ooh, nice full circle moment nice pretty christmas bow on that <laughs> and that's it guys thanks for tuning in um on this very long dating apps episode man we had a lot to say thanks for hanging out with us guys we just hit 5,000 listeners and i'm obsessed with every single one of you i would date all of you if i could and um i'll be in, in vr yeah i'll be at the arlington draft house on friday and saturday this week Come june through. 30th july 1st um i'll be opening for sam morrison See if you, you mention this podcast you get the opportunity to either give naomi a hundred dollars <laughs> or give her one kiss exactly all right love you bye, bye.